0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This with Junior Rene brun. That would be me. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is now in its 66th episode. And if you are a returning listener, I'd like to welcome you back. And I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to me rant once again. This conversation of ours is in its... 12th month, you know, we've, we've been at this, uh, full calendar year, February of 2021 is when I decided to create this platform. And, um, I like where it's headed. I've said it to you on previous episodes that I'm looking to this, looking for this to be more of a full-time endeavor. I would like to do this more than once or twice a week. Uh, sometimes I take hiatuses because other financial responsibilities take precedent and other things and other things that I'm building take precedent. I would like this to be front and center. I would like this conversation to be front and center, especially based on the response that I've been getting from the people that do listen. A lot of people have said, June, I really appreciate your voice, your content, Um, especially the people that know me a long time and trust me because they trust that you know, I question my biases as much as I question anyone else's. I question my uh, intent as much as I question anyone else's. So, because of that, many of the people that I know that have shared my content share it with full confidence, knowing that yeah, um, listen to them. You may not have agreed with it, but at least uh, take it under consideration. And if you do feel that you that that you disagree vehemently, and you or you would like me to introduce another perspective to the conversation that's why I always give my email address out because oftentimes the things I'm speaking about may not be from my perspective I just feel that it comes from a perspective that's necessary for us to make informed decisions about a particular subject so and I don't tell you that I don't give out disclaimers and say I don't really believe this but I think that no I'll just say it I'll just argue from that perspective and I'll say, well, what about that? Has anyone taken that under consideration? And I'll, and I'll have, and I'll ask rhetorical questions and I'll say, speak for yourself or, or look for yourself or think for yourself or research it on your own time. It doesn't matter. Oftentimes I'm not speaking from a perspective that I'm, I, I, I agree with. There are times I'm, I'm speaking from a perspective I disagree with, but it's important. You know, it's important. If we're going to be informed, enlightened, illuminated individuals, It's important that we factor in all um, narratives or certain narratives that I feel are important, you know, to, to make up your own mind, as opposed to just predominant narratives or binary narratives. It's either this way or that way or that way or this way. And then it's like, wait, remember what we spoke about before. Remember the quote. The removal of nuance, the deliberate removal of nuance is tyranny. It's that simple. There's nuance, there's context, there's subtext. Oftentimes, it's not just one way or another way. There's a whole lot of give in between. That's why my politics is, is I would tell people my politics is fluid. They say, "Hey, June, uh, I'm a re-, me personally, I'm a registered independent right now." You know, because it it depends. Um, on the, the actual individual's politics, not how they campaigned, but the things that they've spoken about before the th- or how they've legislated if they've ever held office before. So I'll, I'll vote right. I'll vote left. I'll vote whatever, because some of my politics may be considered very left and some of my politics can be considered on the right somewhere. It, de- it all really, truly depends on the subject that we are speaking on. Then you will see where my politics is, but it will be subject based. That's why I could never run for office in the United States, because in the United States, you got to pick a gang. There's no more nuance. And I'm telling you, people, without nuance, we're getting closer and closer to tyranny. Just saying, this is the reason why you need more parties. Because there are more conversations to be had than these binary conversations that oftentimes are not looking very binary. It looks very unitary. It's When I'm listening to political debates, I'm seeing how narrow the conversation has become when it's just uh, two parties speaking and the same, very same people behind the scenes are funding those two parties. So the conversation is going to be narrow when you consider who's funding, whether it's the party of the democrats or the party of the republicans when you go behind the scenes and see that such and such is giving you a million such and such is giving you 750,000 so no matter what they win but what do we win as the the popular citizenry just saying in any case let's go back and do some house cleaning <laughs> housekeeping if you guys have any suggestions questions concerns kudos or Inquiries, business inquiries. you want me to do a, uh, a platform you want me to do interviews. I've been doing several interviews. we're going to talk about that. You can reach me at whose world is this 2021 on Instagram. You can follow, DM me, direct message me on there. That's whose world is this 2021. My email is whose world 21 at gmail.com That is whose world 21 at gmail.com. My cash app is dollar sign J U N B E A U. That is dollar sign June Bo. My Venmo is June Bo. Reason why I'm bringing these things up is like I said before. If you do something well, you should get paid for it. And if it comes naturally, you should get paid even more for it. Right? And um, I've been doing a lot of field research on podcasts and platforms and radio people that are, I feel maybe, maybe in my realm or I'm in their realm, depending on how you look at it. And I'm saying to myself, wow, um, if I may be so humble, I am just as good, if not better than them at conveying the things that I'm conveying. So guess what? That's why I'm putting my financial information up there, because soon I will be looking to partner with a a parent company that has a further reach than I do. And will I give them a percentage of this company? No, I will give them a percentage of the spoils. For me to give away a percentage of the company that parents this platform that I've created, you're going to have to give me a lot. (laughs) And granted, my audience is small. You know, I have thousands of downloads, but do I have thousands of downloads per episode? Not yet. And so eventually, that's the kind of leverage that I would need. But we'll get to that. I've done a couple of uh, interviews with some other platforms. One of them was uh, Brandon Davis, a good guy. Um, Brandon Davis, his, the name of his uh, podcast is Get Over Yourself. And I think I'm one of the last two or three episodes that he's done. Um, Brandon Davis, Get Over Yourself. That was a great one. Um, I did another one. And I'm trying to find it. Actually, it was uh, on Buzzsprouts, and it was this uh, this group of guys who do this really great podcast where they just interview people who have interesting stories. Uh, you know, people that they've never met before, people that they've never spoken to before. But meanwhile, they've just they get you on, and they told me that they reached out to me because they've they heard my uh my platform. They've heard whose world is this, and they said, "June, we'd like to interview you if you're okay." if you're okay with it. And matter of fact, I'm going to pull it up right now so you guys can know. Oh, they can't find it. Oh, where did he go? Okay, I can't find it right now. Um, but I did another show. So that show I did, Brandon Davis, Get Over Yourself. Um, that's one. I did another one with uh, a guy named Todd Showalter. He's out of Missouri, I think. Good guy. And the name of his show is called Right Mind. Todd Showalter, Right Mind. You can find him on YouTube. Me, you already know. You know where I'm at. I'm on Apple. I'm on Spotify, I'm on Amazon, Audible. I'm not on YouTube as of yet, still debating on whether how I'm going to do that, if I'm going to do that. So you have that. So Brandon Davis, check it out, Get Over Yourself. Um, You know, my story's on there. And I'm on Right Mind with Todd Showalter, Right Mind Productions on YouTube. We did a great interview. It's a video interview. So some of you out there don't know what I look like. You can see what I look like. You can put a face to the voice right there as well. Um, also, ChavezHouse.com, C H A V E S.com, ChavezHouse.com, and Chavez House Publishing. You guys know that that's where you go to get the self publishing book, the, the book on how to self publish. That's where you go. Lenore Batista's How to Success Blueprint on how to self publish. That book was uh, ranked number one on Amazon when it was uh, released last year. It's doing well. I want you guys to pick it up. It's what I'm using to write my first book. There are a lot of things in the work. So if there was a little break between January and February, I did a January episode, which I liked, and then, you know, I took some weeks off. Reason why is because I was working on a lot of these other things that are bringing value to not only you, but to me. Um, And one of them is I'm writing a book. I'm not going to mention what it is yet or what it's about yet, but you'll soon know. Uh, the truth will be forthcoming forthcoming. In any case ChavezHouse.com We have the how to self-publish We have the gratitude journal We have the titan log for men For um, fitness We have the other fitness journals uh, For women We have decorative notebooks That you can use no matter what you're doing Whether it's for diary purposes Whether it's for academic purposes We have the Statue of Liberty We have uh, the Eiffel Tower We have a ton of different kind of books I mean they're awesome they're awesome. They're absolutely awesome. I love them. You guys go to ChavezHouse.com or type in Chavez House Publishing on Amazon and pick up your copy as well. So what are we going to talk about today? Last episode went kind of well. I liked it. It was short and sweet. Um, well, it wasn't short. It was 44 minutes long, I think. So that's I guess that's short for me and my rants, which is insane. Um, but um, I enjoy doing those long rants. Um, people have told me they want me to continue doing long form because I've often questioned whether I should keep it long form or not, and um, but I am. What am I going to talk about today? Remember, we've been speaking about who do we choose. Over the last couple of episodes, I spoke about the media and its director's lens, politics and its director's lens, what they want you to focus on, the things that may be on the margins on the left or on the right of the screen. They put it there and they placed it there purposefully, deliberately. So you can focus on what's going on in the center of the screen. That's what they want. And now, front and center, I want to speak about someone who I spoke about before. <clears throat> His name is Ennis Cantor. Turkish American professional basketball player. Um, who's now a naturalized American citizen? His name is now Ennis Freedom. And he is He has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Not only that, he has been asked to speak at the CPAC, which is, I think, the Conservative Political Action Committee for the uh, Republican Party. He has become a media darling for those who claim to be on the right, whether it's Fox News, et cetera, et cetera. So the same way that the left is demonizing a Joe Rogan, the right is deifying an Ennis Cantor. Why? Remember what we spoke about last episode. Remember what we spoke about last episode about holding things up to inquiry. I'm a skeptic. So because I'm a skeptic, I'm a methodological skeptic in the Cartesian tradition. I have to hold all subjects up to a certain level of scrutiny to separate the truth from false claims. That's what I do. That's how I am. That's how I was built. My mom didn't teach it. My dad didn't teach it. My grandma, grandpa, no one. That's who I was since I popped out into the universe. Okay, that's who I am. So I ask myself, and I, and I have an episode on Ennis Cantor. I don't remember which episode I have. I, I really critiqued Ennis Cantor and I, I critiqued Australian born basketball player, Andrew Bogut, both of them for their intentions. Why do I did that? Why did I do that? The right right now is very happy with Ennis Cantor. They want him to be their highlighted speaker um, at their conventions. Why? One of the main reasons why, number one, is that he is highly critical of China. He's highly critical of China and what he says are China's human rights abuses. That's one. Two. Two. He is in love with the United States. So he says, I love America, I love America, I love America. Why does he love America? It's because in Turkey, um, he has issues with then-Turkish president. I can't remember his name. um, And that Turkish president has threatened Mr. Ennis Kanter threatened him and i remember when this was going on i was like whoa Ennis has got it bad you know his family was being threatened the president said that he's uh that ennis Cantor w- well, now named ennis freedom but he was ennis Cantor at that time was not allowed back into the country uh, of turkey there would be problems so his life was l- literally in danger and his family's life was in danger because he was very critical of the turkish government so he said that he has he has certain freedoms in the united states that he doesn't have in turkey And so he used the platform in the United States to speak about the abuses and the things that were going on in his home country of Turkey. Okay, I'm with you so far. So one, he's become a darling of the right because he demonizes China. Two, because he's here because of certain abuses in another country that he's experienced in his home country. So now he's here experiencing the freedoms in this country. And three, and actually the third one should be almost number one and a half, Or 1B to China, to the lambasting of China's 1A. How he's speaking about black NBA basketball players. Now, if you've been, you know, awake or you've been paying attention over the last three, four years, the NBA has taken certain social justice stands on things that have been going on in the United States. You can honestly say since Colin Kaepernick kneeled several years ago, that's where it's sort of, I don't want to say it began, because it it actually began with the killing of, the murdering of Trayvon Martin by George Zimmerman out in Florida. You know, so the election of President Obama, and then from there when so many polite people on the left were claiming that we lived in a post-racial America, That everyone was giving themselves a pat on the back because the left was saying, look what we did. We hired a half black person to run the country. And then the right was saying, hey, the blacks and the browns have nothing more to complain about. They're in the White House. Interestingly enough, both were giving themselves pats on the back. And then all of a sudden, guess what started happening? Video footage was coming out about unarmed black men getting the brakes beat off of them (laughs) every time you turned around. OK, you have Fruitvale Stations and Oscar Grants and Mike Browns and this one and that one's all this coming out in any case. So you notice that, you know, Colin Kaepernick takes a knee. Now we can't get a job. But, you know, wife beaters and you get caught with a gun. You get caught beating the brakes off your wife. You get a job again. Drunk driving, get a job. You kneel for the national anthem, an anthem that was actually written by, you know, you know, someone who was pro-slavery, okay, and the actual anthem, parts of that anthem was almost like a battle rap song. He was upset that he got beat by, you know, a contingent of, a a black contingent of the actual Brits, black Brits, so to speak. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave that alone. But in any case, Colin Kaepernick gets ostracized, gets marginalized, gets exiled from the NFL, can't earn a living doing what he did, doing what he does even though he was a model football player, went to a Super Bowl. And then you have the LeBrons coming out with the Trayvon Martin t-shirts. You have Barack Obama coming out saying that Trayvon could have been my son. And many, many people who love the idea of America, the idea of it, but not the practice of America. People who, who are heavily committed into the idea of American ideals but are a, but don't want to hear how those ideals are not being divvied out equally and oftentimes people are living the opposite of America's ideal or America's idea of itself or how it purports itself to be, right? So you have the LeBron's of the world who is the most recognizable athlete on the planet after Cristiano Ronaldo and you know and 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 and, and Messi you know, you would say that LeBron is right up there with the Messies and Ronaldos, right? And as far, as far as American sports is concerned, one can argue that no one, you know, holds more sway in how things move. I mean, it's LeBron all day, whether you love him or hate him. Um, he goes someplace, he wins a ring, or if he doesn't win, he's under the most scrutiny. He's this 6'8", black man, dark-skinned black man, 260 pounds, standing there. Speaking his mind, opening up schools, being a father, being a husband, being a son, being a, you know, an MVP, being a champion, moving teams around, forcing franchises to do things his way, bending franchises to his will. Let's just say that subconsciously there are a lot of people out there that don't like that image and that idea especially after having a half-black president and then having a woman run for president, and then you have to deal with LeBron going out there, quote-unquote, strutting his stuff. I'm prefacing. I'm prefacing. Why? Because I listen. I listen to a lot of the coded language that's used in this country, on talk radio and sports talk and political talk on the right and on the left, and I see how this model citizen is oftentimes not embraced the way he should, but that's all right. That's fine. So now I notice that um, the political right is in love with Ennis Cantor. And one of the main reasons why that they're in love with Ennis Cantor is because the political right that wants to continuously, you know, because you know, I've given the left enough heat for how they've treated Joe Rogan and things like that and other things that have gone on. So now it's time for the right. So if you guys are on the right wing and you're listening to this and you feel a certain kind of way, n- I make no apologies. <clears throat> this is a platform where anybody can get it and anyone, eventually I'll get to you. Eventually, if you've agreed with me on something, you're going to find a way to disagree me agree with me on something else, whether subtly or whether mildly or vehemently. So right, it's your turn. Okay. In any case, <clears throat> here you have an Ennis Cantor, lambasting China, which is America's one of America's favorite pastimes right now, okay? China human rights abuses doha round world health organization i'm sorry world trade organizations they're stealing technology they're spying they're this they're that they're this so number one adversary i remember when it was japan i remember when japan was our economic adversary and you know we had to watch out for them you know if you live long enough you see that the life and politics and ideologies just go in cycles it's almost nothing really new right now except technology but we're using technology for you know seems like we're using it to implement the same old strictures because of our limited capacity as mammals or human beings. But so now China's the enemy. China's looking to do this. China's looking to do that. Am I, am I, am I dismissing or discounting that? No, I am not. I'm just saying that's the narrative right now. And right now, and its Freedom's cause du jour are the Muslims in northern China. I think they're called the Uyghurs or the Uyghurs. I can't I don't remember how to spell it or how to pronounce it, but he's saying that they're being they're being marginalized and abused out there in China. So he's spending time highlighting how many African, how many black athletes in the NBA are being sponsored by companies in China. He's used his Twitter account to say, look at LeBron. LeBron is speaking about all this social justice stuff, but yet he's mum on China. He's speaking about this and that that's going on, but he's mum on China. And what does the right do? The right goes, Exactly. Yes, Ennis, speak up. Yes, we love what you're saying. Speak up more, tell us more. Meanwhile, when LeBron was speaking about social justice of things that are going on in his neighborhood, Because a person can speak about what they know about. He's in the United States, which has a whole host of human rights abuses within its contiguous borders. Correct? Within the contiguous United States. Am I right? We can get into it. If you don't agree, we can get into the numbers. So if this man is speaking about things that he's experienced, his friends have experienced, his father's experienced, his grandfather's experienced with 75% of the NBA, which is 75% black, has experienced. Then he builds schools and he speaks on it and says, this must stop. How can you counter what he's done by saying, oh, well, you're doing that. Well, how come you're not doing this in China? Um, And the very same people that are applauding Ennis on that stance told LeBron to shut up and dribble. When he was speaking about human rights abuses that were going on in the United States of America, Laura Ingraham of the Ingraham Angle or whatever her name was, she told LeBron to shut up and dribble. Like, stick to basketball. Don't worry about politics. That's not your wheelhouse. Pass, shoot, jump, sweat. Don't do more than that. They told Muhammad Ali the same thing. Just box, don't speak politics. They told Jim Brown the same thing. They told Paul Robeson the same thing. Okay? They told Nina Simone the same thing. Um, as soon as you get out of your so-called box that they, they're they comfortable having you in and you're speaking about things that they're uncomfortable speaking about, they try to put you back in your box. But meanwhile, you told LeBron to shut up and dribble. How come you didn't tell Ennis Cantor slash freedom to shut up and dribble when he was speaking about what's going on in northern China when was the last time he was in northern China hmm and why is it that he's speaking about these NBA players that may have businesses in China and he's not speaking about Walmart (laughs) where the majority of our products that are on a shelf in most of our uh, department stores comes from China. Why isn't he speaking about the fact that the majority of the components of our iPhones is being assembled in the Shenzhen region in you guessed it, China? Why is he not speaking about the fact that you have that Apple and Google are named in a in a in a lawsuit because Congolese children are being killed in cobalt and coltan mines why what is coltan you may ask c-o-l-t-a-n it's a major component of an electronic capacitor that is found in every single last electronic device that you own right now i've spoke about this before it's called the blood cobalt i'm sorry blood coltan coltan c-o-l-t-a-n look it up every single last electronic device you have right now has coltan in it of the world's COTIN is found where? In the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So every single last one of your Anglo multinational corporations has descended on Africa and kids are dying. Kids are being murdered in these mines. I don't hear Ennis Cantor speaking about that. If he were to speak about that, the people on the right at these same the, the, the conservative political action committees, the people at Fox would be like, hey, wait a minute. Hey, Ennis, shut up and dribble. But when black heterosexual American males are speaking about the things that they're going through in this country and you and you get to try to find a way to point out what you want to consider a hypocrisy, which is not people speaking about the ills that their family members and friends have gone through historically and in the present time. And they're not speaking about things that they may not be privy to because it is in, a, in, a, in an insular culture far, far away. Meanwhile, the very same right, as a matter of fact, the only reason why that Mr. Freedom is actually speaking about these Chinese Uyghurs is because they're Muslims and he's a Muslim. So he is aligned with their faith. And as a matter of fact, the very same people that you've aligned with in this country that are applauding your outspokenness have come out time and time again against Islam and Muslims. If you listen to the rhetoric online, on websites, on forums by these very same people and the things that they've said out of their mouths from their political representatives, it would be considered inflammatory to someone of the Muslim faith. But yet you're aligning with these people because you in turn might just be a racist. (laughs) You just might be someone who's already tilted politically, ideologically a certain way. And now you're being used the same way that the left is now demonizing Joe Rogan because he's bringing about a certain perspective. And it's a perspective and a a narrative that they do not want entertained because they have already gotten their marching orders as to what they're going to say and how they're going to uh, uh, purport or report a particular narrative. And then you have now the right using an Ennis Cantor. Saying, hey, now you don't have to shut up and dribble because we agree with you. No one wants to censor what they agree with. Always remember that. I don't remember who said that. I don't remember if it's Oscar Wilde or Eugene V. Debs, or I don't remember who to attribute that quote to. But it's a quote that I've never forgotten. The first time I read it, and I remember that. So you don't like that LeBron is speaking about the the uh the uh the, the mass shootings. You don't like the fact that LeBron James is saying that um you know the fourth leading cause of mer- of of death amongst black males are is uh. A, a homicide. You don't want them to speak about that. You don't want them to speak about the fact that there are more kids who died from murder in Chicago than COVID. But you're going to hear about the COVID deaths of kids under 17 or this, that and the third on your local news. But you're not going to hear about the murders that happened for kids under 17 in Chicago. You're not going to hear about that. That's the real pandemic. You're not going to hear about that. And Ennis isn't going to speak about that. He's going to ask all of these NBA players whose family and they're the only millionaires in their families. Oftentimes they're the only ones who've gone to college. You're going to ask him, ask these men to speak about what's going on in northern China but you're not asking Walmart to divest. This would be Tantan Mount to, and um, uh, his cantor being around right around the time of the uh, South African apar- apartheid and speaking about everything else except what's, he, he would be the one that would put Nelson Mandela on a terror watch list. Because if you guys, you know, that Nelson Mandela character that we, um, we hug and we embraced and we looked at as this, this old man who had the bravery to stay in jail for 27 years with his beliefs. He was on America's terror watch list until 2008. Ennis Cantor and the Andrew Bogats and the Ennis Freedoms of the World are the kind of people that would lambast the African National Congress and Nelson Mandela instead of the Bantu system and the system of apartheid. That's who he is. There's a certain level of coded, closeted racism that exists with the rhetoric coming from the Ennis Cantors. It's problematic. And I'm very, very unhappy that many of the NBA players haven't sent their spokesmen out and people out to just call Ennis Cantor out on his stuff, either privately or publicly. Because guess what? I remember I was reading this one time and I had to pull it up. This is hot off the presses. Um, This happened uh, in 2020. You know that the United States has the largest private prison industrial complex on Earth. We incarcerate more people per capita, or more people by raw numbers than any other country on the planet. You understand? That's what we do. And we've incentivized incarceration because 54 percent of the people that are in jail are in jail for nonviolent crimes. And they're getting longer and longer, stiffer sentences. Why? Because private prisons do what? They have political action committees and lobbies that give money to certain campaigns and certain uh, certain people that are running for office. And they say, hey, listen. If you can get stiffer sentences for these nonviolent crimes and move those criminals to our facilities, then, you know, we're going to give you a little money. Case in point. Would you like to hear this? Listen closely, people. Listen. Judge Mark Cavella was convicted, along with former county judge Mike Conahan, of accepting $2.8 million in kickbacks from a Scranton area builder named Robert K. Miracle and a politically connected partner developer by the name of Robert Powell. They asked those judges to first shut down the county's juvenile facility, then send the juveniles to two private facilities built by Miracle and co-owned by Powell. To fulfill his part of the scheme, Judge Caravella adjudicated children as young as 12 years old and sent them to the private facilities in handcuffs. Many were first time offenders without representation who were charged with minor offenses such as petty theft. In all, Judge Caravella sent about 4,000 children to the two facilities that were privately held by Miracle and Powell between the years of 2003 and 2008. That's just one example, people. Now, I don't know about you but that's tantamount to a UN human rights violation. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, the UN has already condemned the United States for its private prison industrial complex and said that it is inhumane, archaic, antiquated, and the worst in the world. Just saying, this is real. 4,000 children were sent to these private prisons Owned by developers, while shutting down the county's juvenile facility, was that new facility? Were the new facilities better? Were they going to educate and 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 create maybe educational programs and behavioral reform programs and offer social counsel um, counseling and social workers? No, they were just getting money by the state. They were shutting down. So these judges that get elected because the judge is a political position, the j- judges get elected. So this judge got money, $2.8 million in kickbacks. That's just one state. I have countless information on this subject because it's a subject that's near and dear to me. Because if you read the book, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness by Michelle Alexander, you know, you'll get a better idea. And I've spoken about this. So I'm, I'm a little confused. <clears throat> All those NBA basketball players that that Ennis Freedom put on his Twitter page and he listed all of the financial affiliations that these companies, that these individual NBA players had with China, why didn't he put any of the Fortune 500 companies alongside? Why didn't he put any of the Fortune 100 companies alongside? Why didn't he put um <clears throat> uh, all of the companies that... He's worked for all the flights that he's taken, all the the electronic equipment he has, the Apple, this. How come he didn't put all of that on Front Street? Why is it that he focused, the focus was so narrow to these NBA players who may or may not have affiliations in China? You know, it's almost impossible to not have an affiliation with a company in China as of right now. You listening to me right now on any device that you have. An American company is mining coltan metal in Africa, killing African children, maiming African children. Those children are, do not have anything near the level of safety standards in their mines and in their manufacturing than we do, anywhere close to what we have. So those children die. Then you take that coltan, and you take all of those raw, that raw material, and then you ship it to China, <clears throat> and you have it assembled in Guangzhou or Shenzhen or wherever, and then you pay $1,000 for it here. Each and every single last one of us out there that has a flat screen, a laptop, a tablet, a Kindle, a smartphone, a screen in our cars, every one of us has blood cobalt and we have a Chinese manufacturer's blood, sweat, and tears in the materials that we use on a daily basis. How dare this human being and his canter freedom and his freedom canter speak about a handful of black players that have sneaker deals with some companies in China? When every single last thing that almost every single last American has, the very same people that are touting and, 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 and lauding, applauding him and clapping and elevating him, they're speaking to you from screens that have blood on the screen. Blood cobalt, blood, blood coltan, and, and blood from the Chinese worker. What are we talking about? it's nonsense. These are the things when I say, who do you choose? Be very, very careful of your biases. Because these young black men, you have a, Drew Holiday. I remember one of, uh, one of my favorite point guards. He plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, now NBA champion, Drew Holiday. He was handcuffed and arrested in a, in a, in a, in a private, uh, in a, uh, a normal traffic stop. His Anglo wife had to come to the scene and convince the cops not to take the cuff, not to arrest him. Um, What was it? Uh, um, a Mo- another Milwaukee Bucks player just had a $750,000 settlement given to him from one of the Milwaukee Sheriff's Police Departments because they arrested him. They stepped on his ankle. They stepped on him. They have um, many officers that were at the scene turned off their body cams to abuse this gentleman. And because he was an NBA player, and because he had a certain level of profile, he was able to get the case settled. Guess what? This is happening all the time, but I don't hear any Cantor on this. Another report we have here, the Justice Department just announced a launch of a department's new combating redlining initiative. Redlining is an illegal practice in which lenders avoid providing services to individuals living in communities of color because of the race or national origin of the people who live in those counties. The new initiative represents the department's most aggressive and coordinated enforcement effort to address redlining, which is prohibited by the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Credit Opportunity Act you would say, why do you need a whole department for that? Well, maybe because the Justice Department reaches a $335 million settlement to resolve allegations of lending discrimination by Countrywide Financial Corporation. More than 200,000 African-American and Hispanic bar- borrowers who qualified for loans were charged higher fees or placed into subprime loans. 200,000 black and brown people placed into higher fee and subprime loans. You know what we used to call it? You know what we used to call it? We knew this in, in New York City when friends of mine used to go to get cars and to get interest rates for homes and, and, or car loans. We used to call it the black tax. It was so ingrained in how we do things, we already knew we were going to be charged, a surcharge for being dark, for being black, for checking that box, for meeting the criteria of non-white. That's America, people. So that money, that interest rate, that percentage, over time, that's money that doesn't get passed down. That's money we don't get to invest. That money doesn't transfer down as wealth. That money goes down as a surcharge. It's more expensive to be black in this country. It's just that simple. I don't complain about it. It's the reality. I don't, what I don't do is act as if it doesn't exist. I don't sit here and go, oh, man, the man has his foot on my neck. No. No. I understand that you may put a couple of more rocks and boulders in my backpack as opposed to everyone else, but you're not going to stop me from walking or running. But I shouldn't have these boulders in my backpack strictly because you deem me unworthy because you have decided that the color of my skin makes me uh, maybe somewhat inferior or not deserving of equal treatment or rights or benefit or incentive, right? So there you have it right there. That's $335 million settlement with just one financial corporation. There have been billions of fines levied onto corporations from the Justice Department for allegations that have been proven beyond a reasonable. And the company said, you know what, we'll pay it before this goes any further. Because if they allowed it to go any further, they would show how far reaching it was. And those corporations didn't want to cooperate and say what other corporations were doing it. And some banks said, this is systemic. We're all doing it. A couple of banks said that. I don't know why you're coming after me. If you're coming after me, you better go after him. I'm CBA Bank. Go after AB AB Bank and go after DEF Bank. They're doing the same exact thing. It's so like I said before. Where is Ennis Cantor on that? When you have systemic redlining, when people are going to get homes, people are going to get cars and finances, people are going people are going to prison at a rate higher. Four thousand children just in Pennsylvania alone. That was a pencil. That case that I pointed out to you guys, where those judges were sentencing sentencing kids as young as twelve years old to long sentences. And getting kickbacks to send them to private facilities. This is systemic. This is going on in almost every single state in the union that has a private prison, private prison network. Because either they're paying the judges or they're paying the politicians to have stiffer sentences for nonviolent crimes. That's what's going on. Where are you on this ennis freedom? If Ennis Freedom were to speak on these things, he would be told to shut up and dribble. But yet it's easy to come at the black guys that are speaking about things that are going on in the neighborhoods that that they're from. And it's been going on for generation after generation after generation. And the fact that they're speaking about it may rub him the wrong way. So he wants to speak about their jewelry. So he wants to speak about the fancy cars that they may drive. He wants to speak about this and then he'll say they're not involved enough in social justice. Really? They live social justice when they have to bail friends out of jail and get lawyers for 12-year-olds that are being charged as adults because of the private prison system. They have been drafted in a fight that they did not ask to be in. When you are born as a black heterosexual male in this country, you are drafted into a war that you didn't ask and your forefathers didn't ask. But yet his Cantor now is now a weapon for the right. That's what he is. And he's not an unwitting weapon. I'm not going to let him off the hook. I'm not gonna say, oh, you know, he's uh, he's a um, you know, he he just doesn't know any better. No, they're using his bias inherently, and they're using it. Instead of teaming with LeBron and saying, hey, LeBron, we need to speak, man. There's some things going on in China too, and this, that, and the third. No, he didn't do that. LeBron has said on many occasions, I've seen the man on plenty of occasions, he walked right by me. Meanwhile, LeBron has a school and I promise school and I promise academy, where he, where he gives kids get breakfast, practically lunch and dinner, free tuition in his hometown. Hmm? Academies. The school looks like, uh, looks like Oxford. It's an amazing and beautiful school. I, I'm not sitting here defending LeBron as a LeBron fan. In full disclosure, I'm a big fan of the work that that man does. I'm a supporter of what he does. Yes, I am. But I'm also going to look at it from I'm a supporter of what he does because I can see the tangible effect I've looked at his school and I've looked at the statistics of how it's changing the whole complexion, no pun intended, of of the outlook and the outcomes of those children that that are attendees, that are students of his school. And I say to myself, really? When Daryl Morey, former general manager of the Houston Rockets, who is now general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, spoke about certain atrocities that may or may not have been occurring in China I didn't hear him speaking about Texas's death penalty. I didn't hear him speak about Botham Jean and how he was arrested, how he was murdered in his own apartment by a by a by a police officer who thought she was entering into her own apartment. And whoops, a man is dead while being in his own place. A man is dead. All the things that go on in Texas, as far as the death penalty is concerned, the death penalty and how it's levied and how it disproportionately affects black and brown. And you have hundreds of men and women who have been exonerated. If you go check the Innocence Project, hundreds of people have been exonerated off of death row due to DNA evidence. DNA evidence has exonerated people 100 percent. They were on death row. You were going to kill this person. So the question remains, if we already know that we are in an injustice system, not a just system, but an unjust system of justice, how it's levied has a lot to do with how you look and how much money you have and how much leverage you have, whether it's a certain level of celebrity, celebrity influence your color, because it's already been shown that you have a two to one times more likelihood of being convicted or having a a stiffer penalty for a crime if you're black. And if you're going against a person who is white and it had the exact same offense, the same background, the same record, and you go, you're going to get the time. You're the one who is not going to get uh, released on your own recognizance. You're going to get adjudicated. You're the one who's going to get indicted. You're the one who's going to get the record, which is going to severely diminish your chances and your opportunity of accomplishing a lot of the things that you want to accomplish. Where's Ennis Cantor on that? These are all facts. I'm not speaking from some sort of, you know, you know, do-gooder, bleeding heart think tank. These are the numbers. The United Nations has these numbers. Other countries have these numbers. These are the countries when they look at us and they go, hey, guys, before you start coming at us about the things that's going on in our country, take a step back. That's what was going on during the civil rights movement. Places in Europe said, how can the place, how can the driver of slaves tell us about freedom and justice? During the civil rights movement in the 60s, there were several countries in Europe that were saying, how can the drivers of slaves tell us? Adolf Hitler and Goebbels said all we did was use the white American playbook when we started speaking about the Jews and so on and so forth. What you call propaganda, we read your book from Edward Bernays' propaganda. We learned how to influence our people and get them riled up to a lather against a certain group based on how you treated the darker skinned people in your country. That's Adolph and Herman Goebbels. They said this. Herman was like, I don't know why we're, the Americans are looking at us crazy. We used your playbook. You did the same thing to your people. Guys, look it up. Don't take my word for it. So they see an Ennis Cantor sit there <clears throat> speaking about things saying, why are these black guys using these Chinese companies and getting money? They're rich. The NBA is is eerily silent on, on its relationship with China. No, America is eerily silent on its, on its relationship with China while lambasting China in w- on one hand for its quote-unquote human rights violations, but yet you're accepting billions of dollars from China all the time. <clears throat> when I go down Fifth Avenue, I, you go to New York City, a lot of those townhomes are empty. It's Chinese bankers and investors who own them. You go check your local department store and check where that thing was made. Go look and do the research on every single product that you have and see where it was m- manufactured and assembled. And you tell me that it doesn't have China on it. You stop it. Your, co- your companies in the Fortune 500 and multinational companies in this country are abusing workers all over the world, and that is a fact. That is a fact. They, those workers don't have any representation. And the, the Fortune 500 companies always will tell you, they say, we love working in, we love doing business in places that have authoritarian, totalitarian regimes. America made hundreds of billions of dollars by having their companies go to a place where the people had to do what they were told or else. They couldn't form unions. They couldn't speak on their own behalf. They couldn't advocate for themselves, etc. You had the Apple stores and the Nike stores with Nike Nike manufacturing and Apple manufacturing with suicide nets outside the windows of these places. People were locked in there for 12-hour shifts. This is what was going on. And this is all these Fortune 500 companies. Those NBA players are employees. Let's talk about their bosses. So when Daryl Morey wants to scream about what's going on in China, meanwhile, meanwhile, the things that are going on in Texas, that are happening to black men that are related to the players that are that are in his employ. Hmm? I take umbrage to that. 2021 violent stats, the worst in nearly 30 years as I sit here as a black heterosexual American male. When I see 2021 violent stats, the worst in nearly 30 years, you know what that means? That means men that look like me are dead. More men that look like me are dead last year than there has been in 30 years. Okay? So when I hear Ennis Cantor speaking about his Muslim contingent in China and wondering why LeBron's not talking about it and he's from one of the most violent places in, 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 in Ohio, Akron. Akron, has a, Akron had an uptick in violence. Ohio, in, in general, had an uptick in violence. Uh, uh, South Central Los Angeles, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Queens, Miami, Atlanta, Virginia, whether you're in Newport News or you're in Portsmouth or Portsmouth or whatever, wherever you are, Boston, all have upticks in violence. 81% of the murders hmm, are black men getting killed, right? Fourth leading cause of death for black men in this country is homicide. Top five. 54% of your incarcerated population in this country are nonviolent offenders. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. Okay. So when I hear this guy, all of a sudden is speaking about, Oh, these, these, these men, these guys with their millionaires and their Lamborghinis and their this and that, that, and the third, but you don't speak about their schools. You don't think you don't speak about the fact that a lot of the causes that they've taken on has deemed them unpopular with a certain contingent in this country where they've lost money and lost popularity. You think it's easy coming out against certain certain uh, uh, coming out on these subjects? You think it's not hard enough just maintaining a certain level of celebrity and being at the at, at the height of your profession, trying to be the best in a particular field while everybody's watching throughout the whole world, that's not difficult enough. Yeah, let me add this social justice stuff on there as opposed to just maybe doing movies Hmm? and just upping my celebrity leverage so I can go out there and make money and so I can go out there and and do more things and just be a celebrity pitch man. It's a lot easier just to push products than it is to push ideologies. These men that go out there and push ideologies, I respect them. Because I know that the black heterosexual American male is going to be demonized for many of the stances that he takes. How do I know that? When was the last time do you get to listen to black heterosexual American males? Think about this for a moment. Who sounds like me on TV right now? That's not speaking about sports. Mm. The only time you get to hear a man speak like me with my level of conviction, baritone, from my man, woman, and child perspective, heterosexual perspective, confrontational, provocative perspective, as if they're talking about sports. You don't get to hear them in the political sphere. Where are they? Hmm? Where? I'll wait. You don't. When was the, where are they? Mm-mm. They, they, they're not around. They're, they're marginalized, ostracized, exiled, assassinated, or incarcerated. That's the reward you get. That's the reward you get for being someone like me speaking truth to power and speaking truth to those on the margins. You get marginalized, ostracized, exiled, assassinated, or incarcerated. History will tell you ask Paul Robeson, ostracized, marginalized, exiled. Ask Martin Luther King, assassinated, marginalized. Ask um, Medgar Evers, assassinated. Ask, um, Uh, 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 Malcolm assassinated, marginalized Ask the Panthers, assassinated, marginalized exiled, incarcerated Oh, Martin also incarcerated So if you look at people that speak from a particular perspective where they're saying, yo, enough is enough I'm going to point out the hypocrisy within a democracy, I'm not letting anyone off the hook, whether you're on the left or the right, whether you're a polite on the left or you're a little obnoxious on the right, regardless of where your stance is I'm going to call it out, you get ostracized exiled marginalized, assassinated, or incarcerated. I did the math, and I've seen it all through history. And if you notice, no one who's outspoken on the right gets assassinated or incarcerated. If you're super, inc- super, guess what? People can say, oh, well, January 6th. No, no, that doesn't count. I'm talking about political figures, populist activists and hum- on the right do not get assassinated, incarcerated if you speak about the injustices and the unjustness of our justice system and the and the, and the lack of equity and inequality, we're not asking for set-asides and people that are not asking for set-asides, but they're asking for banks not to redline and charge higher fees. Can you not charge me a higher fee? I'm not saying don't charge me a fee, but for based on my credit rating, my my, my salary, my education and everything, all things included, it was supposed to be 3.8%. Why am I getting charged? 4.8, 5.8. You're charging me a surcharge for my skin color. 4,000 kids in Pennsylvania. Th- I, if I were to do a series on that, on how many states are incentivized to lock up young kids, how many states are incentivized to open up private prisons instead of schools, how many st- you guys would go, is that really happening here? I'd be like, yeah. And I would give you the links and i go, look it up yourself. I would, it's, it can withstand the inquiries. It can withstand the rigors of scrutiny and inquiry, the things that I'm saying. So when I hear an Ennis Cantor, not told to shut up and dribble, because one of the reasons why is because he is um, um, critiquing America's, and, and America's um, fair weather friend, faux enemy it's not an enemy it's a phonemy it's a phony enemy it's a frenemy because we make so much money with China as a business partner all this adversarial talk and sanction and boycott is pure nonsense China needs America badly (laughs) okay we know it by all the products and all the assemblage and all of our fortune 500 there we're being charged thousands of dollars for these electronic goods and it's only because the, brown, the black worker in Africa and the colored worker in Asia are there and they're working under the harshest of conditions and we get our products and we go down with our shopping cart or we click checkout on our phones and we buy it. And that very same phone has those same very same blood products. I mean, blood labor that are mine. The people don't get rich. The people where that land has all the resources The people who lived on that land for generations and centuries upon centuries, since the beginning of recorded time, don't get to get rich because they have those minerals under them. The multinational companies do not go there in earnest and say, hey, listen, you guys have a mineral under your ground that costs about that. That's very, very important to the first world. We'll pay you this much for it. You know, if you guys want to work, wanna, you know, these are the sort of the uh, standard, you know, these this standard pay based on your cost of living. Um, we'll pay you commensurate to that as well as there's certain safety protocols that we want to introduce that we have in the first world here because, we know, we, you know, we have manufacturing and assembly and, and agriculture, et cetera, et cetera. We, we want to, oh, no, 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 we can't do that because that means the cost of the product would cost them too much to make. You have to keep them destitute, poor, and in conflict. So your conflict diamonds, your conflict copper, your conflict cobalt, your conflict coltan, and your conflict labor has to stay at subsistence wages, It's slave wages. It has to for the company to make money. And then they charge us an exorbitant fee for these very same products. But yet Ennis is speaking about NBA players. He knows this as much as I know this. As much as I know this. He's not ignorant to this. It's just his already inherent bias makes him a proper weapon for the right. To demonize the black players that they were already demonizing, calling them rich and spoiled, and they're not going through the same things that they're speaking about. Yes, they are. They got to bail cousins out of jail. They got to bail. They they, they come uh, many of them, not all of them. A lot of the basketball players are are come from middle class family. They come from families. Where, as matter you look at the Steph Curry's and the Clay Thompsons and this that and a third of the world. But then you have a Kevin Durant and a LeBron, who were born to teen mothers, in poverty, in places where a lot of their friends didn't make it are either incarcerated, maybe have gotten killed, or, or just not living very productive lives, living on the margins. And these men made it out, but they're one. The people that they go back to and the people they have to help are still going through these things. And they have to go back and help. So they're still in the war, no matter, how, no matter if you see them on your screen and at parades and they have hundreds of millions and tens of millions of dollars. You still got to deal with the fact that you cannot save everyone and no one not everyone wants to be saved. they're still they still come from a place of dysfunction, a dysfunctional background because they come from a country that treated them historically dysfunctionally. So I have to say that out loud. I have to put this in a, if no one ever listens to this, that's fine with me. but it can't go unsaid that and it's cantor and it's Cantor freedom is a hypocrite of the highest order and he's been weaponized by other hypocrites and it's the same old story over and over again and if he and he or his representatives get wind of this because i sent my other video to his twitter I actually sent the link to his Twitter of the other video I did on him and Andrew Bogut, I mean, whether they opened it or not or whatever, or their Instagram. I don't know. But I sent it anyway. If any one of their representatives wants to speak to me directly about some of the things that I've spoken about, I'm all for it. Like I said, my Instagram is This 2021 My email is whoseworldisthis21 at gmail.com. And feel free. I would love to speak and we could sign. I'll sign an NDA, an NDA if they want. And no one will ever be the wiser that we actually had a discussion. I'm not looking for clout. I'm not I'm not using names. You guys know that I don't I don't pick from low hanging fruit and just speak about current events just to speak about them, to put them on a hashtag and hopefully it goes viral. It's not what I do here. Some of the things that we speak about are very abstract and it's nuanced. And, and you know, it's almost like jazz. Like not everybody's going to like it. It's going to be like, I don't get why that's dope. You know, I, you know, I put a lot of people on the Miles Davis' sketches of Spain and they're like, June, I don't know why you like it. I'm like, because it's acquired. I don't know. I love that horn and that, that, that last section. And that, that horn. I love it. And you go, okay, well, some of the stuff I speak about is nuanced and abstract and it's not for everybody. And that's fine. I'm doing the show I want to hear. And I think that other people out there want to hear as well. I'm, doing the, I'm having the conversations that I feel are necessary. Now, are they going to be popular conversations? Probably not. Are they going to make some of the people that I know, my colleagues that are on the left, my colleagues that are on the right, are this going to make them uncomfortable some of the things I speak about? Absolutely. But who in the hell said that politics was supposed to be comfortable? Who the hell said that life was supposed to be uncomfortable? Uncom- There's something called growing pains for a reason. Whether you're spiritually growing, intellectually growing, financially growing, it comes with a certain level of effort, pain, you have to pivot, mistakes, etc. So I find that man, and I find his stances to be hypocritical. I find him to be a hypocrite. I find that how, how vigilant he is at his stances to be hypocritical, at the people in general that he's speaking about, trying to be this global ambassador. I find the United Nations to be quite hypocritical by even... Um, uh, nominating him for a Nobel P- Peace Prize, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the Nobel Peace Prize Committee, not the United Nations. I find the Nobel Peace Prize Committee, but what has he done? What has he done? that so many other people haven't done. I, I, I know what uh, Sergi Baca is doing in his hometown in Africa. I know what Dikembe Mutombo has done in Africa all this time. I know what uh, LeBron James is doing in his hometown in Ohio, uh, all these places. What, his, what has Ennis Cantor done right now that puts him in a position that a Dikembe, a Sergi Baca, and Akeem Olajuwon or a LeBron James hasn't been in already, hasn't done already? Please. Please. America loves to demonize the black heterosexual American male. Muhammad Ali was the most hated man in America at one point. Martin Luther King, a year before his death, when he did his Beyond Vietnam speech, immediately after he was considered the most hated man in America. Malcolm X was the most hated man in America. If you want to find the most hated men in America, all you have to look at is black heterosexual American males were outspoken who were outspoken and possibly whose whose politics leaned left and critiqued the very machinations and the idea of this country and 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 how that idea was put out there tangibly. Guaranteed. The reason why I'm saying it's not coincidental that I'm speaking about this during what's considered to be Black History Month, but I didn't do that. You know, I just read that this man and it's who I have a huge problem with and his freedom canter you know, has said these things about NBA players. And I'll be the first one to critique the entertainment class. But you know what? Their job is to entertain. When they step out of that, we could, you know, I'll have a conversation about them stepping out of that. And as Cantor is ill-equipped to speak about what black men go through in this country and what they do decide or not decide to speak about. He's ill-equipped. And the people who critique him, they have agendas. They're the ones banning books. They're the ones who banned the color purple and banned 1984, George Orwell. It's ironic that you, ju- you, you banned a book that speaks about the government banning books. <laughs> if anyone out there has read George Orwell, 1984, I was reading, a, uh, I got a news article. We're going to speak about that the next show. I'm, it's kind of, I'm foreboding a bit, but there was, a, I have a whole list of books that have been banned in certain uh, Republican regions. And one of them is The Color Purple by Alice Walker. Remember Color Purple? Whoopi Goldberg, Oprah Winfrey, Danny Glover. Good movie, right? I have my issues with The Color Purple, but I don't think it should be banned. I have my issues with it, but I don't think it should be banned. I think it was a great movie and it was a very good book. I read the book too. Didn't see the play, unfortunately, but I heard it was pretty good as well and the performances were masterful. But in any case, I have my issues with it, but thats it's more of the man-woman dynamic and how it played out into popular culture in the 80s and it became part of another kind of discussion. But that's another c- conversation. It should not be banned by no stretch of the imagination. And 1984 by George Orwell, who speaks where the term Big Brother actually was coined, Big Brother representing the government at the time, right? And... um how they banned and scrubbed the books, and then you have our government and our certain political officials banning and scrubbing the book "1984" that speaks about the government banning and scrubbing information. Whoa! And this very same party is the same party that's applauding and elevating and is canter freedom. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a skeptic, a Cartesian skeptic. Okay methodological skeptic. I, you got, I got to ask why. And so, yeah, on that note, I bid everyone out there adieu. We're going to speak later on about uh, a couple of other things. We're going to get into the book banning and things like that. And other things are going on in the world. We, we kind of have to get into current events just a tiny bit, because I spoke about this in of several episodes last year, November, December, how, you're going to have to count on family and friends now more than ever. As I sit here and I speak to you, I know I don't have any allies. I'm going to say this to you. I'm not speaking from a victim perspective. I never do. As a black heterosexual American male, I do not have any allies. When I look in the political sphere, don't let these social justice warriors fool you. They only care if a white person kills a black person. So they can, so so we can, you know, um you know, further their own divisive agendas. They don't care about the murdered black kids in Chicago. They don't care about the murdered teenagers in California or in the Bronx or in Brooklyn or in Miami or in Virginia or Houston or, or, or Dallas. They don't care about those. Oh, white man kills but that's what they care about. So when I look at the social justice warriors and the liberals on the left and the American left, I know what agenda they have. I, I know why they do what they do. They're trying to keep a certain amount of people Beholden to them and their political interests, because the more the liberals can keep blacks in a in a a particular political class, the less they'll go independent because the blacks in this country have always been to the far, far left, farther left than the whites, farther farther than the, the white left liberal establishment. And so all the time what they do is they try to pull them. They pull them sort of to the center and say, hey, no, 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 no. Don't be so angry. We want you to be a little angry, but we want you to know that we're the ones talking about it. And we're the ones who are going to make the changes because no one on the other side can help you. And yes, the other side is obnoxious and your side is polite, but you're both not our allies. You're both not my ally. I can't speak for all these others, but I know politically how this game is played, how the chessboard is set up. OK, you don't you're not speaking about the pandemic of the murders that are on the ground unless it's people of different colors. Because then it serves your agenda. So I get it. And the people on the right get it and they see the hypocrisy for what it is. But but then the people on the, the you know, the people that are actually victimized and are going through these things, they don't see it. They just feel as if they have been powerless, their voices, they have, their voices haven't been heard and they're just happy that their story is out there. They're mad, they're embittered, they have mixed feelings. But I see the hypocrisy. I see it. It's okay. But I know that I don't have any allies. So because I don't have any allies, I don't have to make any friends. I know that this is an adversarial relationship that I have in this country with many of the the the, um, the inhabitants and the establishment. That's fine. I get that. So when I go out into the jungle, I know that. But it doesn't stop me from eating, sleeping, partying, Bathing, marrying, procreating, celebrating, doesn't stop. I know all the perils that are in the jungle of, of the wild, wild America that I'm in. No matter where I am, I figure out what the perils are. Like I said, if I live in a jungle and I get my jungle. I know which um, plants are nutritious and which ones are poisonous. I get it. Which plants are to eat, which plants are my prey, and I'm, I'm sorry, which animals are my prey, and which animals I am prey to. I know when I am the predator and when I am the prey, I get it. So that's why I'm able to navigate and have these conversations freely and post them and go, Hey, and then my friends on the left can listen and be like, mm, that was interesting. And my friends on the right will listen and mm, okay. I don't really like that. That's fine. I doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. And but what I'm saying to you now is this is why long form conversations like this are necessity or are necessity. They're necessitative. Why? Because you're not going to get it from, you know, the guys on TV that are getting paid seven, eight figures per year to mouth and parrot predominant narratives and not to bring about these uncomfortable conversations. They can't do it. Because the conversation is supposed to be narrow to keep people thinking and fighting and fighting amongst these little narrow. The smaller the conversation, the better it is for people, for, for corporate, for business interests, for political interests, for intelligence and military interests. It's like, oh, wait, let's keep this conversation as as narrow as humanly possible. That way, no one is going to say anything that we have to actually answer for. OK, it's scripted. It's not going to be, well, hey, how about this? How about and it's uh Oh. Uh-oh. So everything is scripted. Your campaigns, your your debates, your everything. Your your debates are horrible. Uh, you watch debates between a Trump or, a, or or and a Biden, or you watch it between a Trump and a Clinton. <clears throat> you watch it between an Obama and a Romney, and you go, "What the heck is going on?" This does not reflect the talk on the ground of two hundred fifty to three hundred million people and what they're going through. That's why CNN right now has a ninety percent drop in ratings. I just need a crumb of those people that were listening to that. But a lot of those people want to, want their biases confirmed, those very same people. But some of those people are like, you know what, I'm looking for something different. Many of us out there don't want to be informed. We want to feel informed. Remember the great Roger Ailes, founder of Fox News, once said that. Americans don't want to be informed. They want to feel informed. So I know that the things that I'm saying are only going to catch a couple of ears and it's going to turn some people on it's going to turn some people off. I get that. But that's the way the world has always been. That's why we have the political system that we have. You can judge a society by who rules them and who entertains them. Look at your music, look at your television, and look who rules you. And I'll understand why I'll only have this much of an audience, no matter how big I get or not. It's fine. You guys, we'll get through it and we'll talk about it. Until later.